we begin today um, three sermons uh, this week and the next two. Um, some folks who encountered Jesus on his final journey. Uh, for the last several weeks uh, here at ACC, we've been taking this journey together as we move towards Easter. As we sort of walk with Jesus on his final trip to Jerusalem that would end ultimately in his arrest and trial um, and death, but also resurrection. If you haven't been coming along with us on this journey, it's not too late. I have to put a little plug in for it just because I think it will really help all of us as we approach Palm Sunday and Easter. Um, There's daily emails going out if you'd like to get that. Um, Just let us know. Uh, There's also at the bottom of the notes a couple shorter readings uh, that you can do online that are just uh, a few days long. So even if you want to jump in now, it's not too late, and you can look those up, uh, some reading plans that will help that. And so what we want to do in these next three Sundays is because anytime you're on a journey, you, you meet some people. That's part of whether it's going on a vacation or a business trip or wherever we go, we end up meeting some people. And sometimes some interesting people. And so for the next three weeks, we want to meet some people who encountered Jesus or who Jesus ran into on his final journey. And sort of try and use them as eyewitnesses. They were really there. Um, And what was it like? What did they see? What did they think as they encountered Jesus on this final journey of his? And today we want to talk about three siblings. Um, Two sisters and a brother. And rather than just reading, the the passage I'm drawing from is John 12, 1 through 3. But rather than just reading that, I thought it would be uh, fun and good for us to see what it was probably like when this incident really happened. So I want you to watch a clip from the visual Bible, the Gospel of John, as we see a portrayal of John 12, 1 through 3, and meet these three siblings. the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from death. They prepared a dinner for him there, which Martha helped serve. Lazarus was one of those who were sitting at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a whole pint of a very expensive perfume made of pure nard, poured it on Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The sweet smell of the perfume filled the whole house. One of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, the one who was going to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold? For 300 silver coins. And the money given to the poor. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would help himself from it. Leave her alone. Let her keep what she has for the day of my burial. You will always have poor people with you. 
But you will not always have me. A large number of people heard that Jesus was in Bethany, so they went there, not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from death. What an interesting little snapshot of what happened really right before Palm Sunday, uh, probably that Friday night before Palm Sunday. Two sisters and a brother. Three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In the town of Bethany. I want to set the stage for this. Um, This isn't Google Earth. Um, But interestingly enough, if you go to Google Earth today, all you're going to see to get a perspective on what it was like and where they were, all of this picture is covered by subdivisions. And so it's hard to get a feel for what it was like. I like this old map. Bethany is in the box down to the right. It was actually what the town Jesus would come to because you came down the Jordan River and from Jericho you went up to Jerusalem. You went west. And the first town you'd come to is Bethany. This is actually where Jesus stayed the whole week of Easter with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The really interesting thing is you just went over the hill and that was the Mount of Olives. And then you went down that hill and you went right into Jerusalem. And so that's where he stopped. It was going to be the Sabbath. You don't travel. You didn't move on the Sabbath. Friday night, he stops at this home. It's where he's going to come every day from Palm Sunday on. Jesus withdrew back over the Mount of Olives and came back to Bethany to sort of get out of the city, get out of the conflict, get out of the pressure. And it was in that home that we just saw, one probably pretty similar to that. He and the disciples stopped there and they began to have this meal. John points out that Lazarus was sitting there. And as we'll see in just a minute, Lazarus, not too long ago, had been dead. Buried for, what, four days, and Jesus brought him back to life. As I was preparing for this sermon, I thought, what was it like for Lazarus to sit there? And there's Jesus, and what, would, what kind of feelings would you have for Jesus knowing that just a few weeks ago, This guy brought me out of the grave. And those memories and those pictures in Lazarus' mind, maybe, I don't know, did he remember when they were pulling the grave cloths off of him to sort of let him loose from the mummy? You know, what did he remember when he saw Jesus' face? I mean, what were his memories as he sat there? And then Martha, what's Martha doing? Serving. She's in the kitchen. She's making sure the food's all ready. And we're going to see in just a minute, that was, that was what Martha was always doing. And there was one other person, and that was Mary, and she wasn't in the kitchen. And that's what Mary was always doing. And she comes up, and, and there's no hint this was announced. And she begins to pour this expensive perfume on Jesus. Now, an interesting little trivia for you to file away Mark and Matthew picture this, and they add a different detail. I don't think they're contradictory. They add that she also poured some on his head. She began there, anointed his head, and then poured it on his feet. 
A little bit of background. Nard is a very expensive perfume because it comes from northern India and the foothills of the Himalayas. Now, in the ancient world, imported stuff was pretty expensive because it came on a camel. And it was also hard to come by, rare, hard to find. And that's why Judas is saying, hey, this was worth a lot of money. Because he was right, it was. They know what nard was, is. It's sort of amber-colored. The description, it is heavy, sweet, woody, spicy odor. Made me think of incense. That real strong. Now, we're talking about half a quart. I don't know about me and you, but if we use any perfume, it's a little bit on the finger. And you, you know, put a little what, whatever. <laughs> Pouring out a half a quart, I, I think filling the home is an understatement. I have a hunch nobody in that house had any doubt what had just happened. It's more a case of, what is going on? And then, and that's part of why I wanted the video, just the whole gesture of Mary wiping his feet with her own hair. What a powerful moment this all is. And these were three of the eyewitnesses I wanted us to spend some time with. As we're moving with Jesus towards Palm Sunday and towards his arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. Next week, we're going to talk to a different witness, very different witness. But partially because of these three, because of all the time Jesus spent with them, but also in a sense, I think of all the witnesses we're going to talk to, maybe they represent us. They love Jesus. In in many ways, they knew him very well, perhaps as close as the disciples. Well, Jesus had a lot of history with them. He had been referee for a family feud. I I promise to never embarrass my daughters, but I I raised two daughters and a son, and three siblings can have some real knockdown, drag out fights. We had a cracked wall one time, as one threw another against the wall. I mean, you know, you just have some interesting things when kids grow up together. Well, Jesus was at one of these. The story is over in Luke 11, but it's a fascinating story. And and the two sisters, this one doesn't really involve Lazarus, it's two sisters. There's a special bond between sisters, isn't there? And expectations. And Martha is, once again, cooking in the kitchen. And Mary is, once again, not in the kitchen. And Martha gets all upset. For, I think, a variety of reasons. First of all, in the ancient world, Mary belonged in the kitchen. That's where women, women were. And she wasn't doing it. But she also wasn't helping. She wasn't doing her part. It was all on Martha's shoulders. Because what was Mary doing? She was being very rebellious. She was sitting with the men at the feet of Jesus participating in this spiritual discussion about whatever Jesus was teaching. I think it is hard for us to comprehend how radical that was in Jesus' day. There was a common teaching in Jesus' day that for a father to teach his daughters any of the law was a sin. 
Women were not supposed to learn. They were viewed as not capable of learning spiritual things. Their holiness came through their husbands or their fathers. I'm not endorsing that, okay, everybody? I'm just saying that's the way it was. And I want you to understand that because that's part of why Martha was aghast. Her sister was being this what a, a radical person out there. And so what does Martha do in typical sibling fashion? She doesn't go to Mary. She goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, she's being bad. You yell at her. Any parent here has had two, two daughters do that. Mom, get them. Dad, get them. They're bad. I mean, it's just such typical human nature. And that's what Martha does. And, of course, Jesus doesn't quite fit Martha's program. He even says, Martha, Mary has chosen what is more important. Can you imagine how deflated Martha was at that point? So that was just one little bit of history from them. Uh, Another incident is the chapter before John 12. And that's the one I referred to earlier, and that is when Lazarus died. Now, we don't have a lot of the details. We have sort of the outline of the story, but it is a fascinating story. Lazarus is sick. He is on the verge of dying. They know it's serious, and they know Jesus. They're friends with him. He's been in their home. They have this history. They have a relationship. They're friends. And they know Jesus heals people. They've probably seen it themselves, and they've heard countless stories of Jesus healing people. Medicine was not what it is today, so Lazarus is sick, and they're scared he's going to die. So they do the one thing they can think of to possibly do, and they send word to Jesus, our brother, your friend, is really sick. We need you to come heal him. Jesus is a relative distance away. We know from that, from that chapter that the word comes, the messenger comes and delivers this request, this plea of Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, okay, thank you very much. We'll wait a few days before we go. Even the disciples are amazed. Now, Jesus has a whole different plan. It's not that he's not caring. They just want Lazarus healed. He has a whole different higher level. I think when it's all said and done, Lazarus would have agreed with Jesus he did the right thing. But at the time, nobody had a clue what in the world was going on. Because it looked like Jesus, who they thought was a good friend, didn't care at all. So he delays three or four. By the time he travels, maybe four or five days, well, four days went by, and he shows up. Interesting, these two girls' personalities. What's Martha do? She runs out and greets him. Mary is mad. Now, this is Jim Connor reading between the lines, but what we do know, Mary did not go out. She stayed in the house. I think she was mad. Jesus failed her. He, the great healer, didn't show up. And their brother is dead and buried. Finally, Jesus says, where's where's Mary? Martha goes and gets her. She goes out, and in verse 32, here's what Mary says when she sees Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. You hear her frustration, her sense of disappointment, some anger. And, and I think any of us would be right where Mary was. You healed everybody else, and you couldn't heal your good friend Lazarus. Well, if you read the rest of John 11, we see Jesus' plan. He raises Lazarus from the dead. And that's exactly why, because he wanted a greater demonstration. Healing, that's pretty good. Raising the dead, that's a wow. He wants people to see who he really is. That he's not just a healer, he's God. And he can raise the dead. So much so, interesting enough, if you read ahead to John 12, 10 and 11, the Pharisees were not only plotting to kill Jesus, they were plotting to kill Lazarus. Because this darn dead guy was walking around. And he was telling everybody what had happened to him. And many were coming to believe in Jesus because of Lazarus. And so their plot was not only to kill Jesus, they needed to get rid of Lazarus too. Because people were following Jesus because of him. I tell you these stories because I want you to see the background that has already happened between these three and Jesus. When this Friday night comes... And as this week goes by, they are Jesus' friends. They're close to him. He's close to them. Their home is his base. For the next six, seven days, he's going to come out there every night and sit in that room like we pictured on the video. Have supper. Sometimes maybe he stops, on at the Mount of, stops off at the Mount of Olives on his way out of Jerusalem in the evening. Sometimes maybe he stops off in the morning on his way into Jerusalem. We know it was a favorite spot of his. It was a habit of his to stop off at the Mount of Olives. I, I wish I could interview these three and talk to them about that final week and what it was like for them to be there in their home as every night Jesus came out. These eyewitnesses of Jesus' final week. Helping him, preparing the food for him, serving him. But can you imagine the discussion around the meal? What had happened that day in Jerusalem? The night after the triumphal entry. And they're all like, we just won the Super Bowl and Jesus isn't as excited. And there may be a little surprised at that. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the arguments in the temple. He created a riot in the temple. Cleared the money changers, up, uh, uh, turned over the tables. Chaos! What did they talk about that night? Every night as they watched this week unfold, seeing his victories, but also watching the hatred of Jesus grow. The opposition, the pressure, the, the threats. The, the, some are plotting to arrest him, and the word is out. We know from other times in the Gospels, there were times the disciples said, Jesus, don't go there. They're going to arrest you. This had to be going on this week. There were other times the disciples said, we need to go somewhere else. Let's go back up to Galilee. It's getting too hot here. 
You're in danger, Jesus. I can't believe those kinds of conversations weren't happening at night in their home. And yet they also saw how Jesus wouldn't flinch. He wasn't going anywhere else this time. He wasn't going back across the Jordan. He wasn't going back to Galilee. Even as the danger grew, he didn't back down. The next day he was in the temple. The next day he was confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious establishment. And he wasn't just confronting them, he was attacking them. Their hypocrisy, their hunger for power, that they were nothing but tombs full of dead, rotting bodies. That's a real way to influence people and win friends. Every day they watched him leave in the morning. Concerned, worried. Can you imagine how painful it was for them? To watch that opposition to Jesus grow, this friend of theirs who'd, who'd raised their brother from the dead, who'd been so wise and so loving and so caring. And then he doesn't come back. Thursday night, his bed's empty. The, the meal never got eaten that Martha prepared. And they hear he's gone, he's arrested. And how afraid they must have been. And then they, they hear, or maybe they went and were in the crowds, we don't know, of the trial. And Jesus flogging and, and his trip on what we call the Via Del Rosa. Carrying the cross, so weakened by the beatings he can't even make it. And somebody else has to finish carrying the cross. And these three hear all this, and their hearts break. Because this Jesus who stayed with them, it's just not fair. It's not right. And they have this deep sense of the wrongness of it, the injustice of it. They had to wonder, they had to hope. Maybe they were praying, God, you raised Lazarus, you got to save him. And it, and it doesn't happen, of course. Can you imagine being in their home Friday night? Maybe they helped in some small way get him buried. But the reality, buried or not, the reality is he's, he's dead. He's really dead. And Saturday, I doubt if they did a lot on Saturday. And then, of course they get the news on Easter morning. He's not dead! And you see, like all of us, it hits them. This isn't just good news, our buddy's alive. It's like everything's changed. He's alive. Can you imagine their discussion that night at supper? And all the time, what will this mean? And, and what will this, uh, just the, the, the eagerness, the, the almost agitated talking, as everybody wants to talk at once. What this means, that he's alive. <coughs> it's, it's, it's all this history they had with him. But you know, I think if we could talk to them, I think one of the things they'd say is it, it's not about our comfort. 
I think if we could talk to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus now, after Easter, after the whole process, I think they'd be honest and they'd say, you know, we were so focused on what we wanted. Jesus was our friend. We wanted him around. We didn't want people to arrest him. We didn't want any. We wanted to keep him for ourselves. But he wouldn't listen to us. He kept going back to Jerusalem. And what we didn't understand is that he had a higher purpose. It wasn't about his comfort. He understood that, but he also understood it wasn't about our comfort. He needed to go because he needed to die. And he needed to die because he was worried about everybody's comfort. I think that was one of the lessons that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus learned. It's not just about our comfort and having Jesus with us. He has a bigger purpose. And he understood that. And we had to learn it after the fact. In that sense, I think they are challenged to us. I, I think they would challenge us to say, don't, don't get too selfish with Jesus. It's not just about your own comfort and you and him he came for the world. He came for them. And he needs us to understand that. Just like we had to give him up and let go. We thought we'd lost him, but we didn't. But he came for everyone. And he calls us to understand Jesus died for everyone. I think that's what they'd say to us if we could listen to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful that you've given us four biographies of Jesus so we can learn so much about what his final week was like. I'm thankful that we have some of the acts and thinking of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were changed forever. May we be changed forever as we walk with Jesus through this final week. May we learn what they learned. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come for all of us, not just your friends, all of us. Help us learn that lesson. In your son's name, amen.